or what is the reason for possible podcasting podcasting but don't know how do you want to make money from your podcast do you want your podcast to be broadcast on various platforms you have one single answer to all your question anchor anchor helps you to create and edit your podcast it shares your podcast across various other podcasting platforms like spotify breaker google podcast all you need to do is anchor this cannot record your podcast and anchor does the rest anchor the one stop podcasting platform for you morning welcome to another episode of history under your feet today we take a look at a very important episode in indian history the assassination of commissioner rand by the chapeko brothers in pune in 1897 and even that proved to be a turning point in the history of india's freedom struggle chinchwad an upcoming residential and commercial suburb that was a small dusty village during the late 19th century Adjoining the northwest of Pune, it's right now famous for its furniture factory and adjoining industrial suburb of Pimpri. It's together on the Pimpri Chinchwad Municipal Corporation. The Chapeko brothers hailed from Chapa, one of the small hamlets adjoining to Chinchwad, which in a way explains their surname too. The elders Damodar was born in 1868 to Dwarka and Hari Chapeko. In a large joint family of 20 that included his parents, aunts, uncles, and above all his grandfather, Vinayak the Patriarch. Though born into relative prosperity, the huge family would fall on hard days mainly due to Vinayak's rather unsuccessful business ventures. Damodar had memories of the trip he had made to Varanasi with his grandfather, and taking a dip in the holy Ganga as well as taking the blessings of Kashi Vishwanath. Damodar's father's Hari had learned Sanskrit and was prepared to take up the profession of a kirtankar. People who usually made their living singing kirtans traveling from place to place. However, taking up the profession of a kirtankar was looked down upon with disdain in the highly orthodox Chitpavan Brahmin community to which the Chapikas belong. Hari's brothers too refused to acquire them and soon the once large joint family began to disintegrate. Nine Chapikas were excellent in the Modi and Balpot scripts, and even had learned left for Indore to earn a living there. However, his rather sloppy way of dressing, his inability to get on with others, meant he could really could not make use of his talents, and he ended up begging on the streets. Hari's mother and father soon died, and he himself was poverty-stricken now, with his brothers too deserting him. For Hari, Nine Chapikas, the only way to make a living now was by singing kirtans, and with no professional musicians as accompaniment, he began to train his sons. Tomato Palakrishna and Basudev to play the instruments. The brothers had no formal education but learned a lot traveling from place to place performing in the darbars of princes and assemblies of eminent scholars. Hari Vinayak himself is credited with writing the Satyanarayan Katha in Marathi. The brothers life however would be turned upside down by the end of 1896 or rather the first half of 1897. Plague had struck Pune somewhere in the end of 1896, and by January 1897, it had spread like an epidemic in the city. By February itself, around 657 people died, and those who could survive deserted the city. 
The once former bustling capital of the Peshwas had now turned into a ghost city, with one half of its inhabitants dead and another half running away to save their lives. By March 1897, the government decided to combat the plague and prevent it from spreading. An ICS officer, W.C. Ryan, was put in charge of a special committee that would oversee Pune city and the suburbs in the cantonment area. Although so given not to offend religious sensitivities, examine Muslim caste Hindu women and not to enter the private quarters of any home. Major packet headed in the Durham Light into the custody of 893 officers began to oversee the operation, and this is where the British lost it effectively. Not following the instructions to deal with the epidemic sensitivity, the officers began to adopt harsh measures. They barged into private homes to literally pull out the infected patients from their beds and this was utterly idiotic Consider how most Indian homes at that time valued privacy very highly. Most families would not even allow outsiders into their kitchens and here were the officers barging into the private quarters, grabbing the infected patients sometimes forcefully out of their beds. Infected patients were segregated from families, forcefully personal positions in homes were destroyed to prevent further spreading of the epidemic. Funerals were not allowed until all deaths were registered. The head of the family had to ensure this was done. The problem here was that while the intentions were good, the execution was totally folded up. Where sensitivity and care was needed, the government treated it like a military operation. The infected patients needed proper care, but they were often treated like common criminals. And what is worse, anyone disobeying the draconian orders were liable to criminal prosecution. The government employed military tactics treating it like a war where a human healing touch was needed. The entire operation went on till May 1897. 2,000-odd people were dead by the end of it. Pune was devastated in more ways than one. While Grant claimed that care was taken to ensure that the feelings and traditions of people were not hurt, the feedback coming out indicated the opposite. The ordinary people of Pune were furious at the behavior of the officers. They uttered disregard for the sensitivities. In Rashtrapet locality, some of the residents put up the British officers in anger. Noted lawyer dramatic, dramatist Narasimha Chintan Kelkar slammed the high-handed arrogant approach of the British officers by which they wrote roughshod over the feelings of the local residents, intimidating innocent people, parking into their private quarters without permission, taking away valuable portions. In fact, in fact, most of the British officers behaved like low-life police. Balgangadha Tilak was outright critical of a sullen trend like Ryan, being put in charge of the operation, claiming he had no idea of the sensitivities of the natives. And this was not a war either. Tilak's contemporary Gokhale was equally perseverous in his criticism, alleging that the British officers behaved more better than medieval invaders with the citizens of Pune. The hand-handed sledgehammer way in which Grant handled the entire operation had turned out to be a fiasco. It just alienated the people even more, and the anger against the British Raj that was simmering on slow burn was now turning into a raging forest fire with potentially far-reaching consequences. June 22, 1897, the celebrations of the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Victoria's rules were going on in full swing. Not a particularly wise thing to do considering the anger against the British stars. On one side, plague famine had devastated the country, and on the other side, this kind of vulgar celebrations of opulence was like rubbing salt into the wound. And added to it, the high-handed behavior of the British officers during the plague did not really make things better. Most of the British and European officers were at the government's house in Pune for celebrations. And Dambudur, the eldest of the Lord, felt this was the best time to strike considering the host or the British light would be there. Most of all, the target ran. 
Along with his brother Palakrishna, he chose a spot near the Ganeshkin road to fire the shot and they hid their rather heavy weapons under a rock to avoid the suspicion. The sun was setting, the shadows were lengthening, and once at the government house was in a festive mood, the sound of music, fireworks tinkling on the glasses. In sharp contrast to the two brothers, their faces pensive and grew covered by the darkness filled fist clenched. Both of them held their breath, waiting to pounce, and the deathly silence outside was in sharp contrast to the gaiety and festivities in the building. At around 7.30 pm, the horse-drawn carriage could be seen coming, Tamudu's breath quickened. The grip around the sword became even tighter. The quarry was in the carriage, the man that despised ran seated cosily near. As the carriage made its way to the yellow bungalow, Damodar ran behind it now and covered in long strides, fist tightly clenched on the sword. He chased the carriage and as the carriage turned around with the stealth of a tiger, stalking its prey, as the carriage turned around the corner, he yelled out to his brother, Kondia Alare, a signal to act. Damodar raised the flap of the carriage and fired. The shot set ran straight in the chest. Balakrishna, who had caught up by now, fired a couple of more at one of the occupants whom he suspected to be discussing with Ran. The hapless occupant sitting near Ran was his military escort, Lieutenant Ayer stood right, right on the spot as a bullet penetrated his skull. A grievously bleeding and unconscious Ran was taken to the Sassoon Hospital where he would pass away on July 3rd. The police soon launched a manhunt at eight by the Dravid brothers. Damodar Hari was stressed out and arrested. In, an 18, in a statement on October 1897, Damodar Hari openly claimed that he was seeking revenge for what he believed was desecration of their holy places. He had no qualms whatsoever or whatever did, and his statement was taken as a confession charged under Section 302. On 18 April 1898, the noose fell around his neck and the body lay limp. Almost a year later, in January 1899, Palakrishna Hari was finally caught by the police after he managed to evade them from a long time betrayed by a close friend of his. The youngest of the lot was there, meanwhile shot the rabbit brothers on the streets of Pune along with his friends Mahadev Vinayakaranade and Kando Vishnu Satyam. On the same evening of February 1899, the trier also tried to assassinate the chief police constable Ramapandu. However, the attempt was aborted and the trier was caught. After a trial, the brothers and Ranade were found guilty and ordered to be hanged. Satyam being a juvenile was given 20, 10 years of rigorous imprisonment. And one by one they climbed onto the scaffold, proud and defiant as a noose tightened around their necks. Vasudev on May 8, 1899, Dwarade on May 10, 1899, and finally Balakrishna on May 12, 1899. The voices felt silent, but the thoughts would fire a generation towards independence and inspire a certain Vinayak Damodar Savarkar to enter into the revolutionary struggle. Naman to these heroes.